Oh, it's all good. Just a bunch of dudes talking about the gospel. Here we go. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode. Today, my guests Andy Rivera and Drew Gad discuss the gospel, who it's for, and how it's affected our personal testimonies. I hope you enjoy. What is the gospel, right? Go for it, Andy. We're defining. So, um, so I guess I'll talk first about like what I feel like I've thought that has meant for a while. Um, mm-hmm. So like I feel like usually, or usually what people hear when they hear that. And I think usually people think it's the story of the life, death, burial. Well, I, th- I think that's actually more of a, a good definition of it. But I think usually when people say uh, the gospel, they would say, well, Jesus died for your sins. Like it would be, and it would end probably there in that sentence. And it usually um, is preached at the end of a sermon. You know what I mean? Not throughout it. So it's just, you know, Jesus died for your sins. And you need to accept this to, to go to heaven. Um, but I think as uh, time goes on, I think it's opened up for me, too, um, to be everything that is now true because of what Jesus has done. Because I think the first time the gospel connected with me, I think it was, I don't know, I didn't understand it. You know what I mean? And I don't think it was necessarily even, like, all explained to me. I just knew... Jesus was in charge, and that's a part of it. You know what I mean? It's definitely not the whole thing. I just knew that that meant I needed to stop cussing at school. So that was kind of the the outworking of it for me. But I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on it? Um, I would agree to you, Andy. I mean, I got I got saved at a young age. I got saved when I was six years old. At that time, the gospel was I, I didn't want to go to hell. So I wanted to go to heaven and I was, I was scared of the reality of, Oh, if I'm not saved, then um, I'm going to hell. So I want to, I want to go to heaven. I want to be with Jesus. And I gave my heart to the Lord when I was six years old. Um, But for a while there, I just, I lived a moralistic life, I guess. I just followed what my parents, the example my parents, you know, showed. I I went to church. um, I, was a good, I was a good kid, you know, that's what I did. That's, that's what I thought I had to do. Um, that was just like my way of life. I guess I really didn't fully grasp or understand like the true gospel until I got into middle school. And I realized it was a lot deeper than just living a good life. That's, it's more than that. It's, it's more than just being churched, I guess people might call it. Um, I realized that I am a lot, I'm desperately in need of a savior constantly. It's not just a one and done thing. It's a constant need for Jesus. It's a constant battle to, to strive after holiness and sanctification being reconciled. Like that's, that's a constant thing. And so um, I, I rededicated my life when I was 12 years old. And that's really when it hit me. I was like, Jesus, I need you. And, and I want to live for you more passionately than what I have been, you know, Mm. more passionately than, Hey, I'm just going to go to church. I'm not going (laughs) to, 
I'm not going to do bad things, you know, but I, God, I need, I need to uh, fill myself up with your word. I didn't actually start, this is crazy. I, I didn't actually start reading the Bible seriously until I was probably 13 years old. Mm. And I got saved at six, which is crazy. I, I well, just, I mean, how much serious reading were you doing at six? Well, I mean, yeah, you read in, you know. Okay, I read the Bible a lot as a little kid, but then I didn't for a while. Like that, I, you know, guys, you ever had storybook Bibles? Yeah. Yeah. I loved my storybook Bible. And I remember, I have memories of like trying to read the act. Like, I mean, this is contra the real Bible <laughs> and being totally confused and, but still doing it just because I, I don't remember anything that I really read during that time. I just, I knew, I believed in my head. I thought it was important. I don't believe I was saved until sixth grade, uh, however old I was at the time. But yeah, I remember being younger than that when I still lived in Maryland and just reading the Bible because I thought it, I believed it was important. I didn't know why. It was just like, my parents really think this is important. Maybe something special happens <laughs> you know, when, they, when you read it. So uh, I don't know. I just tried to do that, but I don't remember anything. I love my storybook Bible. I would kind Same. of cycle through that a lot. I very, very similar upbringing. So like I was, you know, I was a pastor's kid. My dad was a pastor. He had a church okay. um, for, for, yeah, for, for years. Um, and so like, I was always exposed to it, but I wouldn't. And it's funny because like, you know, I also tried to read the Bible back then. And it's just like, it's not this it's not clicking because i think it's just for me at least i wasn't at a point where i had truly accepted that it's you you don't inherit jesus as a savior you know like um it, it's mm -hmm. something that has to be pursued on an individual level and that didn't come for me until much later when it was about middle school high school aged um and and jacob was inviting me to lbc like because i knew again i was exposed to it i knew about god i knew about christ but it wasn't until then that i personally accepted jesus as my savior and i was like i gotta i need to live a better life and then peer pressure at school kicked in and <laughs> mm. you know uh went down a, a a different road and then after rededicating essentially around the time that faith and i got together um and making that decision to come back to the church and pursue that better life you know because uh, mm. i knew we were living in sin and things were bad and whatnot and wanting to do better but very similar very similar upbringing a lot to say about that but i don't know where to take it next i'm like oh <laughs> man i don't know i mean i don't think i even had a concept of salvation until like I was baptized twice the first time I didn't I didn't even know what like saved meant I thought here I'll tell you exactly what I thought it meant I thought being baptized is what happened when you proved you understood kind of what the pastor was talking about by completing mm. the packet you know what I mean I was because mm. that's what, what it was it was like I, okay let me take you exactly through it I'm out of Sunday school kid gets candy because he had been baptized in my head I go I want candy. And then I am like, how do I go about getting baptized? And they say, well, we want to make sure you're serious. So here's the packet to make sure you understand. I do the packet. Right. I go and get baptized. I don't get candy in the same Sunday school. And was kind of peeved that I didn't get candy. 
And then that was all in Maryland, so it was definitely at least before I've second grade. Yeah, that's what felt like. And then <laughs> sixth grade comes around. I'm at a church camp, and this guy's speaking. I don't even remember what it was about. I just remember feeling really convicted and then coming forward and feeling like, man, I didn't understand what happened the first time, but I know that Jesus is in charge, and I want to recognize that. And then that's when I felt things shifted for me. Like, it was a cr- incredibly infantile. Like, I didn't understand. I was very immature, still am, but very even that. Like, I didn't, you know, like I said it earlier, I just had to have, got to stop cussing. And I got to stop looking at stuff on the internet I shouldn't be looking at. You know what I mean? That was, like, what it meant for me for a long, long time. And then it just, I, things started to, again, when I say that the gospel's everything that's true for us because of Jesus, that's when it started opening up for me in terms of I have an abundance of riches. Tyler just preached on that the other day. He's, um, man, what text was that? He was, it's Ephesians. It's the name of our series. Ephesians. Ephesians. Uh, <laughs> the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's what it became to be to me because it's like, man, Jesus is a person I can enjoy. Right. It's not just like, oh, I have to to do the rules. I have riches, real riches accessible to me here now through Jesus. It's like watching the, the best movie you could ever watch, looking at the best landscape you could ever look at. We just don't have the senses for it. And that's a lot of what it, my sanctification is meant is just cultivating the senses to hear, see, taste, understand what Jesus has given me, you know, and that's just that's been a long i've just kind of feel like i've just started that process but yeah i would yeah i would agree with that i mean where we constantly be preached you know we get to look forward to spending you know the day where we're going to be with jesus in heaven and we're looking forward to that and it's what a great day it's going to be when we're in heaven with jesus we get to experience that here on earth mm. through the church pray that the kingdom comes right the kingdom comes so mm-hmm. I, I get this is just being being vulnerable. I get caught up and I, I don't look to Jesus um, to truly get the, the joys and the hope that he truly gives to you, the, those riches. Um, but I get caught up in a lot of other things, you know, with, with work and uh, with life. And I, I lose out on the joy, the true joy that Jesus, you know, can give to us here. And I'm like, well, one day, you know, I'll be with him in heaven. But no, we get to enjoy that here on earth. That's not something that, you know, yes, we get to look forward to being with Jesus in heaven and, and to being with our loved ones and, and to rejoicing with him and re- worshiping with him there. But we get to enjoy that here as well. And... Yeah, a helpful way for thinking about it for me. Somebody I don't know who it was, but it stuck with me because it was instructional, uh, like that Satan can never rob us of our salvation, but he can rob us of our joy until we get to heaven. And that was that mm. kind of opened my eyes a little bit too, because I was like, oh, "That's man. good." Because that's that's always my diagnostic for how me and how how well am I doing spiritually? How manifested the fruits of the spirit in me? You know, mm. where's my love, joy, peace? We just had a man. Kale had an argument this morning. I don't know if she's gonna want me to share this, but like, I I was I was being a, a butt, and I was talking about like whether or not she's reading her Bible, which she does in the morning, and then she said something to the effect of, "Well." I feel like every time you get done reading the Bible, you're still angry, Andy. And I was like, oh, that, okay. That cut a little bit. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ouch. Oh, I think I'm doing good. I, am I? Oh, well, my wife will let me know. So, 
<laughs> Which is good. Right. I'm thankful that she tells me that because that's something right. I want to know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. man, am I? Is this having any bearing on how I behave? But mm. that's definitely yeah. what uh, spouses are there for. There are other half men. They keep you accountable, <laughs> for sure. There's so many times where Skylar is called me out on things that it's an alter it's an ego check you're like you know um you're like but you're right i am in the wrong there 100 percent. i'm glad that you're open and honest with me keeping me accountable to things that i i lose track of Hmm. yeah well do we feel like we've answered that the first one that what is what is the gospel what is the gospel um you know yeah i think we we gave it the old college try. All right, let's pack it up. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> we're I mean, not experts. Be, yeah. <laughs> this is a learning opportunity for everybody. Um, yeah, I'm, exactly. I'm you can go like really kind of textbook with it. Well, you know, the gospel comes from you know the Greek uh, was evangelion, yeah, or, and that's what yeah. we get evangelists from, and things like that. And it means the good news and. Mm. Um, I'm glad you said and, that because, yeah, we haven't even talked about that. Right. Yeah, it, we haven't. We, we danced around that. <laughs> the for actual meaning minutes. of the word. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, no, that's, that's cool. That's a great opening. But it, so it means traditionally, right, at its root, it means the good news. Um, and what that good news is kind of really, it, you come to a head in it with, uh, what is it, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Uh, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Um, and then you continue, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. But he has not believed in the name of the, the own. Oh, goodness. I'm dyslexic. I'm sorry. He has not believed in the name of the only Son of God, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Hmm. That was great. Famously before, attributed right? what the, to what the gospel is, right? He, God had a plan since the fall of man to save all of humanity. He sent Jesus, hmm. um, prophesied all throughout the Old Testament times in many different ways to die for our sins so that we can be saved and live with him eternally that's what textbook you know that's what the gospel is right mm. but like, i love what does said, that I, I love that you zoomed out for a second did i uh, big story <laughs> no because that's like what you like the that big god picture. has been since eternity past because that's one of my favorite ways of thinking about scripture like i was having this might be it's not off topic but it is um in the sense that it's not one of the questions we have, but who cares? I forget. I can't think of direct texts, right? But Paul will talk about like what the angels see, right? Like all the angels are like kind of watching this unfold in heaven. And it's like, it's been hidden to, it's been like, I think he even talked about that in Ephesians three, like it's been hidden to the angels, but it's been revealed to us in due time. So I like, I, the other day in my car, I was like imagining, the unfolding of the world, like you're an angel, you get to watch the unfolding of the story of the earth, but you don't know what's going to happen, right? So you're like, okay, God created everything. This is cool, right? Everything's great. Oh, wow. What he made went bad pretty quickly. And then they multiplied and then he killed 
all of them. Okay, cool. We're starting from scratch. You know what I mean? And then we go, man, this nation is not good. You know, they are not doing a good job. And then we finally get to like, oh, that's why I love like the entrance of like when Luke, when it's like the angels are singing when, when Jesus comes to earth, right? And they're like, holy, holy, holy. And then I'm imagining because they've been watching for the whole time, right? And then they're there like, oh my gosh, God has come. This is crazy. It's kind of weird because we're in the middle of nowhere. Shouldn't he be the king of like, like, shouldn't he be in Rome or something? But this is cool too. You know, I guess he comes to his people. This is cool. Uh, he's in a manger. I didn't see that coming. Okay, Jesus, what are you doing? It's been 30 years and you've just been making furniture. You know what I'm saying? And then it's like, dude, Francis Chan says something about that. The other, like the meaning of the word holy, just being set apart and a way of defining that as just being weird. And that is one of my favorite ways of thinking Mm. about like what God, it's weird sometimes. Like what? It's just not what you would expect at all. And that's why I love the beginning of first Corinthians talking about like the gospel as like the word of the cross being folly to those who are perishing. It's foolishness everybody else and that's what like richard dawkins you guys know who that is the atheist guy mm-hmm. every time he debates he's this like big time atheist debater and every time he debates about christianity he really appeals to the ridiculousness of it and he like yeah it's such a picture of exactly what paul talks about at the beginning of first corinthians like he's like what a stupid thing that god's son would come and die on a tree and this somehow atones for my sins i'm like man gee, like Paul is the, like, God is calling you out. Like this is, it says that it pleased God to use the thing that everyone would call foolish to save the entire world because they can't get to him intellectually. Like we're incapable of getting to God. As I don't know, the whole thing is just crazy crazy to me. That's like, you know what I mean? Like, man, what a cool God we have that just does everything that nobody expects, but it's the, the very thing that we cherish the most. You know, like in Christmas time, God came. This is our Savior. This is our Messiah. But what a weird, holy, holy, holy way that he did. You know, it's just so cool. It's a picture of death, the cross. It was a picture of punishment, but we we look at it as a symbol of hope because it's what mm. Jesus died on to save for our sins. Yeah, it is crazy, but the beautiful thing behind it is it <laughs> – it, show, it shows how true God is because we have to put our 100% faith into him. It's not through our works. It's not mm. through what we do. It's not through how we act for what we say. That's what, you know, that, that's, that's a lot of what I thought, you know, Christianity was when I was a kid. It's a lot about who I was and how I acted and the things I resisted from and, and how I looked and appeared in front of other people. And it was, it was at a young age, it was easy for me to, you know, turn away from what all my other friends were doing because I knew I was like, that's not what I'm supposed to do. And I have to please this image that I'm doing. You know, I have to, I have mm-hmm. to be this certain way. Uh, but that's not true at all. Absolutely not. That's not true at all. Um, you know, I realized that even through all of that, I was a huge sinner. <laughs> I was, you know, a huge sinner and I, I needed Jesus even more. Um, you know, my sin was pride when I was young and that was hard for me to fully grasp. And at the same time, I real, you know, the image it, back to that part, it truly shows how much, how cool and how loving our God is um, because we have, we have to truly put our faith into him. We know so no much. matter what. Yeah. 
we know so little like it's just yeah we do what you were saying but when you were yeah even now mm -hmm. that's like it's just crazy but. yeah yeah uh, it is it, it it's absolutely yeah um what is i forget um andy you might know this and um it was brought up in the uh eldership class that you and i went through um but ba basically it, it's the when we strive for uh strive to be holy we realize um how dependent we are on god how dependent we are on jesus but it kind of goes to john three thirty, like um, 630, I think it talks about like, God, allow me to decrease and for you to increase. And we realize the dependence that we truly need on God as we strive against holiness, you know, as we strive against to be more like him. Um, and it's not a materialistic way to say, oh, I'm better than everybody else. It's to realize, oh my gosh, God, I need you more than ever, more than ever. And it's not like, hey, we're getting closer to God, but we realize how much more we need him and how much of a necessity it is for us to decrease and for him to increase because i think i think true joy really is found in a, a, a true faith you know true joy is found in the in the fact that we get to truly like when we put our 100 like full faith into god and say hey god take it all i need you and we truly and we see him do his work i feel like that's where i have found the most peace uh, when we went to Florida, Orlando, you guys in the store, but maybe not the people listening to it. I mean, that was a huge faith thing. I, 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 that was something that Skylar and I had to step out into faith and we, we didn't know what it was going to look like, you know, God put Orlando in our hearts. Um, and, and he was calling us to, to leave Ohio and, and to go to Orlando to be a part of this plant church. Um, and six months later the pandemic hit and the new job that he gave me completely vanished <laughs> it was taken away i was like god you called us to go to orlando why did you take away the job that i felt like you clearly gave me this doesn't make any sense but i had to i had to realize okay if you're if you're truly calling to me to this then i just need to put my faith in in, in the fact that you will see it through and that it'll happen regardless and it was easy for us to say, let's not go, let's not do this. Let's, let's just stay at home. Um, let's, let's push it off. Um, but I was like, if God, if this is truly what you want us to do, then open the door, please. And if not close it. And he ended up doing that. He ended up giving me a job. Probably it was a month before we were supposed to leave. I started to work at this new job and we were able to go down there. And the, even though how scary it was and how uncomfortable it was, I felt the most joy because I knew that I was in the middle of his will mm. and it was scary, but I knew like I had the most joy. I felt the most peace about it because I knew that he was in control and regardless of what was going around, I was going to be okay. Yeah, that's cool. That's part of the cool thing about like getting one of the things that are true because of Jesus, we get his ears, we get his attention. When we pray, we, he answers, we get to hear, respond and, trust throughout the whole process mm -hmm. so that was your experience and going through all that because that was a lot of conversations we had like beforehand too is like is this what god wants me to do how do i know yeah you know what i mean but i didn't want to do it i didn't want to go i really didn't i was like it was just a random thing like you know the spirit prompted the uh, 
I don't know. It was weird. We were we were literally out breakfast and you know living somewhere else came up on our mind and we started googling other places to live and through that we felt the calling of the Holy Spirit leading us to go to somewhere we just didn't know where and then ended up being Florida and I was like there ain't no way there this is no way this is an emotional move why would I do this this doesn't make any sense but through the crazy thing is I think sometimes it is and God is still working through it because like so when I because that was kind of my experience going to Toledo when I went I I okay very different though very very different because um so we're supposed to talk about the gospel. We're talking about how God directs our lives now, but it's, it's, it's where we're at. But yeah. um, I was thinking, so my mindset at the time, I'm going to be in a band, right? I'm 19 or 20 years old at the time. I'm going to be in a band. I'm going to go to Toledo. And you want to know the reasoning? I was going to go to Detroit, but it was out of state. And out of state tuition was too much because I wanted to go to the nastiest place in the United States. I wanted to go where the trash was. This was my philosophy at the time. And I was like, okay, can't go there. <laughs> I see you looking confused. It's because I believe like that's where that's where life was found. It was found in the dirt. You know what I mean? So I was like, got to go to Detroit. But I couldn't get there next best thing. outlook on life. <laughs> right? I know. It's so stupid. I went. Musician outlook on life. Toledo, right? <laughs> and leading up to it, like months before it, I knew in my head I was going to go up there. I wasn't going to find a person. And I was just going to be at a college I didn't know with nobody I knew just getting a communications major. You know what I mean? And so that's exactly what happened. But that was one of the most formative periods of my life. I just kind of committed to it. I was like, I'm just going to do it anyways. I know that I'm not going to find a band. <laughs> not gonna be the the next because kid cuddy's from went to toledo so in my mind like i'm gonna be kid cuddy you know what i mean <laughs> oh lord i thought he was from cleveland hey his 19 year old andy this is where he was at but might have been 20 who knows but yeah i don't know just to, to say it. so like all that to say sometimes god even does work i mean always even if the decision is emotional he's always leading and instructing his children and we get the freedom to know Man, even if I'm, I'm being an idiot, and it's not a reason to go be an idiot, but the cool thing is we get to see and look back on God's faithfulness even when we're, you know, doing stuff that's that's stupid. If he's got us, if he's got us in the palm of his hand. Yeah. But, yeah. Because so we talked about, briefly, like what is the gospel, the good news? Um, and with that, so what's the goal? Like, so if the gospel is the good news, then, like, one, what's the bad news? The reality is that uh, we live in sin. <laughs> yeah. We live in sin. We live in a world of destruction. Um, we we are born separated from God for eternity. Um, and, and I talked about a little bit about workspace, and we can't, nothing we can do can ever... Uh, could, could ever get us to Jesus. Nothing we can do could ever um, earn the righteousness of God. Um, it's only through the death, the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that he, um, he gave, the, the sacrifice he had for us. Only through him are we able to receive uh, his righteousness and, and, his, and that alone. But the reality is, yeah, we live in a world of, of sin, of destruction, of heartache, completely separated from God for eternity. 
but God's love was so strong. <laughs> so like he had no, like he didn't have to, he, he, I mean, he is righteous, you know, he didn't have to come down and, and send his son to die on the cross mm-hmm. for us, but he did anyway, because of his love for us to what you've said, David, for God to love the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And, um, he's given us that opportunity. He's give, he's he's given us the opportunity um, to be with him um, through his sovereignty and through his and through his sovereignty, sovereign love, and um, forever thankful for that. Forever thankful for that. Um, and sometimes I can be selfish with that as well. You know, talking about the goal of the gospel, we look at it from a. I mean, we there's a great commission on each and every one of our hearts as believers god has commanded us to take his gospel and to share it with the world and sometimes it can be easy to just to be selfish and to keep it in and to keep it to yourself and to say you know what i'm good i I accepted you god and i know where i'm going um and to not share it or to miss out on opportunities i mean there are so many opportunities that i have missed out on by not sharing the gospel by not um, you know, telling others about him. Just think about it, like just so many missed opportunities. Um, and this is where I have to preach the gospel to myself daily. Daily. Um, to, to where it's like, God, I need you, but at the same time, other, every, other people need you as well. And I need to stay obedient in the calling that you've placed on my heart. Um, and, and it's hard sometimes. It, it, it really is. Um, and it's a daily battle. It's something that I daily have to preach myself. Yes, I need you, God, but other people need you as well. And who am I to not be obedient to that as a Christian? How faithful, how unfaithful am I if I'm not going out and actually spreading your word the way that you have commanded us to do? And that's simply just by my actions too. I think that's a huge testimony that we share as Christians, just our actions and how we act in front of others and, and our nonverbals, et cetera. Yeah, I think, I mean, just in answering the question, like what is the goal? It's like I think God's goal in giving us the good news. The good news is that we get to enjoy God. So the, the goal of the gospel is that God is glorified because I think that's that's God's best opportunity for glorification. That's something I don't think we talk a whole lot about. It's like in terms of like what is glory? What does that mean? We got to bring God glory. I think the very best way to do that is in enjoying God. Like if Kayla makes me food, the best way I give her glory in the food that she made is through deeply enjoying that food. So if we have a big party and she makes a ton of food, right? And then I'm like, ugh, this isn't that good. That says something about the cook, right? I'm like, and you're like, oh, dude, don't say that too loud. Your wife's going to be mad at you or something, right? You know what I mean? It doesn't confer a lot of like glory upon her. So when God gives us his son and then we're like kind of, you know, lackluster about it, it does not communicate that God is enjoyable, which has been mm. some of the biggest like convictions in my life. Like it's not hard to follow a really good leader. It's something I've talked about with like uh, a friend, Adam, like just in desiring man to follow like a, a great leader, right? You know what I mean? Like somebody's, because great leaders inspire people to follow them. You don't have to convince them that they're worth following. Like I had a manager 
uh, at Roadhouse. His name was Joe. He's still the guy over there. And he's awesome because he does it all. If dishes need to be done, guess what he's doing? Dishes. And some of like the, the worst leaders think that they're above stuff. And so you don't, and the whole point of me sharing that is that we want to follow, nobody has to be convinced to follow Joe. You know what I mean? They want to because they know they've, he's laid it down for them. And all that is just a picture. So why, why, do, why are we inspired to follow people like that? Because that's how God is, right? And so we're inspired to do the same thing. Oh, there he goes again. He's gone. But all that, so all that to say that um, I kind of lost my train of thought now. But, <laughs> but um, I was going to say that, I don't know, just thinking about that in terms of the gospel being an opportunity to enjoy God has changed a lot of the way I view even like evangelism. So evangelism is not like, now my opportunity to being saved, that's actually a better way of saying it, my view of salvation. I think that when we're saved, Mm -hmm. we're born again, redeemed to enjoy the things that God provides that we formerly thought were not worth it. Because that's the belief. Mm -hmm. Nobody thinks obedience and and following God is fun. You know, that is a pervasive worldview that Christianity is boring. And I don't want to go to heaven because I don't want to sing holy, 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 forever but if going to heaven means redeemed senses to enjoy i got a verse here i'm going to read this is actually a good place for it so in first corinthians uh two nine and i just i just read this this is what i was talking about earlier um he says as it is written and he's quoting isaiah he says what no eye has seen nor ear heard nor the heart of man imagined what god has prepared for those who love him so there's something God is preparing for us that we do not have the senses. Oh, I'm about to go to another one because it's like, it's very similar. So it's in second Corinthians actually. And it's, uh, where is it? It's the weight of glory. That's, uh, I don't know where it is, but anyways, the point is that I'm going to pair badly paraphrase it. It basically says that our shoulders are being prepared for a weight of glory. So there's something coming in heaven that we do not understand. That's the basic idea, right? It's not that we're going to go in heaven and and have the same senses and have the same sin-clouded experience of God. It is an unrestricted experience of God, the likes of which we've never seen. And people think that's, whatever, I want to go on vacation. Well, when you go on vacation, you go look at stuff that's cool, right? And you eat food that's good. When we get to heaven, we have supernatural senses to taste and hear and look at the most enjoyable thing on earth. We don't get it, right? Like I can't even, that's all, all we can do is talk about it. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I, don't, I don't have the, I, I, we've tasted and seen in part, we get glimpses, but it's not the same thing. And all the way, going back to how I do evangelism now, it's much less like, hey, you should believe in Jesus because... Uh, he's true. That's true, but it's it's more like talking about a really good restaurant. You know what I mean? Like, man, you've you don't know my God. <laughs> like, he is the best thing that has ever happened to me. You know what I mean? Like, you haven't been to that restaurant. That's the best steak I ever done had. You haven't eaten food until you've been there. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's what evangelism becomes. And I've seen just in my life. That's been my conviction. Is like, and we talked about this, I think, in our prep a little bit. Like. When I'm sharing God with someone and I'm in a, a, a phase of not really 
rejoicing in him. That's when I'm most deeply convicted because it's like you're talking about the best thing that's ever existed in a lackluster way. Oh, my gosh. Like, imagine, like, the Super Bowl. Your team wins the Super Bowl, and you're like, uh. <laughs> like, if you love football and your team wins the Super Bowl, you are screaming <laughs> on your feet. You know what I'm saying? There's something that, like, and if you're not, something is wrong, you know? Wrong, and that's, yeah. that's usually my yeah. gauge is, like, man, how, how much do I love the Lord? Because yeah, that's the how command. Much do you love that you Super know? Bowl team, if you're not, but, uh, if you're not excited. Yeah, you're probably like the other team, you know. <laughs> I don't want Tom Brady to win again. <laughs> I don't think anybody does. But so that's, I mean, I think that's my my answer. Like, what it, the goal is to glorify God and do to do that by enjoying Him. That's good. For me, I always consider the goal of the gospel to be salvation and uh drew you kind of touched on this a little bit with the the great commission you know um when after the resurrection jesus commands you know his disciples and and to to everyone right to uh, go forth um spreading the gospel right this essentially this news that of jesus the christ resurrection who has died for our sins right so we have salvation to spread this information to all the nations that that for me was always a clear picture of what that goal of the gospel was because you know you have it with it being salvation you have this plan for humanity that by the grace of god and because and this is this goes back to the five solas now that i'm really thinking about it by grace alone through faith alone through Christ alone, are we saved? Do we have salvation, right? All ultimately to the glory of God. So if we are having this good news, right, uh, of who and what Jesus is and this plan that God has weaved throughout history for humanity that reaches an apex with Christ and what happened at the cross, then for me, the goal of the gospel is salvation and then that's where it kind of touches on what you said andy with it has to do with um that evangelism you know spreading it to those people to others that for me that's always kind of what it's been about and it always kind of leads up to the next little bit of what we were talking about so like Mm. if the goal if if one of the goals is salvation right and with that being evangelism being a part of that is the gospel for Christians or is it for non-Christians? Oh, we're going with this like question now. I, I wasn't sure if you were going this way or not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going oh, there. Man. Like, cause that's, cause it's, a, I think it's a very important part. And, um, because if you start talking about like, essentially we've talked about what the gospel is. So then now that we know what it is, who's it for? Yeah. So, okay. You, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll begin with my answer and then like the straight up answer, right? And then try and explain what like the straight up answer is for everybody. It doesn't stop being for you once you believe it. Right. So like mm-hmm. um and and that's man, I I should really just go what's my precedent for that? I'm really gonna read really quickly in Galatians. So Galatians three, uh Paul writes, starting verse one, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. 
let me ask you only this in verse two. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So did you get saved through doing the right thing or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the spirit? So we begun in the spirit. Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? And we go back to Rome. We say like, that's how we receive. Um, or what is that verse? It's, it's by hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that we mm-hmm. know that it's, it's not different, right? Once we get saved there, the difference becomes, I am now in the hand of God. I'm under his protection. I, no, no one can take that salvation away from me. I might act like a fool for a little bit. That was my story, unfortunately. But I'm still in the hand of God, and I'm now being sanctified. But the question is being sanctified by what? And I still believe that it's the gospel because of my definition of it. The gospel is everything that is true because of what Jesus has done. He is king, and that's good news. I get to be obedient and enjoy it. That's really good news. That obedience can be enjoyed, right? Because I usually in my head think this won't be that fun. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, oh, I don't want to do this because this is this isn't gonna be a good time or whatever. I would have more fun if I could do fill in the blank, right? But that's I mean that's we get to believe that. And so there's this whole realm. I've been trying to figure it out, man. It's like this picture in my head of like all the things I have to remind myself of that are true and things to rest in because of God, because that's the battle is the true things we don't always feel are restful or good, or they're usually, they feel like burdens, right? But that's not why Jesus says he comes. He says that I, I'm, I'm lifting your burdens, right? What, what is the actual verse with that? I hope one of you guys know that it's like, uh, I'm drawing a blank. He talks about his burden being easy and, and his, uh, burden is easy. My yoke is light. That's what it is. So he's oh, not coming. Uh, Jesus saying, uh, come rest with me. That one. Yes. Yes. Oh, right. You, your rest for your weary soul. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that. And that's, so he's not trying to put more on you. His commands should feel light and joyful and good, but they don't. And that's part of the work of sanctification. It's part of that curse. But all of that is the gospel. <laughs> like, that's the hard part. And the thing I'm still figuring out is like all of it intersects with Jesus and it's true because of what he's done. Anyways, what were you saying? Somebody, you said the curse? Yeah, in Galatians 3, when he talks about the the Galatians and, and basically they're looking at the, the law. They're looking at the old law and that's how they thought like they could earn their righteousness by doing the law. Um, but Paul talks about this curse of that you know the curse is like oh i have to think that i have to do these things to earn the righteousness of god but that's not true obviously as you read it's through believing in his word having faith believing in his word and believing in him and having true faith and and understanding like there's nothing that i can do to earn his righteousness but only through having faith in him and 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 the curse sometimes can be us in a way, maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking of this wrong, and, and and correct me if I am. But sometimes, like when we when we were like, oh, man, I know this is right. I mean, this I know what I have to do, but I just don't want to do it. You know, the truth, like I don't want to do it. And that mindset is like, oh, but I got to do it anyway. You know, and I'm gonna do it, and I'm gonna read it anyway, or I'm, I'm gonna do these things, um, but I just don't feel the joy of it. I don't, I don't, 
I don't want to do it. What Paul says, like, I do the things that I don't want to do, but I don't do the things that I want to do kind of yeah. thing. And that, that curse is like getting caught up into that uh, because we're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're right. Right? How many times are we, you know, do we do, you know, there's so many times where I read the Bible and I don't have the right heart. I don't have the right mindset behind it. I'm doing it because I have to. I'm, I'm going through the motions. And the curse sometimes is like, I'm just going through the motions. I'm doing what I have to. My identity isn't found in Jesus, but my identity then is found in the things that I'm doing for God, which is then just works. Hmm. Just materialistical things. Yeah. It's what ministry, but um, it, without Jesus. <laughs> uh, so like, uh, that, that, that's another, because you brought up Galatians 3, I know that's what Paul talks about. And that's something that I can, struggle and a lot of people struggle with you know a lot of times too is just like getting caught up in the things that we do our identity is like oh well i i'm a good leader you know i'm a good you know i'm a good leader I, uh but at the same time i do a lot of good things for god you know i'm involved in this ministry you know and youth or young adults and you know i preach like once every other week and you know i'm running a uh, a small group and all of these things and that's that's what your identity falls into and it's a it's a false gospel essentially versus being rooted in jesus does that make sense yeah yeah a couple of different things there the identity piece and the curse piece because the, the curse like that's what i was thinking like when you're talking about it uh being that obedience doesn't seem to us on first thought to be the right or good or fun or enjoyable decision so like for me what that's felt like maurice is like when I feel restless, I need to. I have to have this like reminder. Like so, that's my cue to go pray, right? So it's not my cue to scroll. It's not my cue to fill in the the need because the need is I feel like I should be doing something. I just want to lay down. You know what I mean? Well, I can look at this while I lay down. You know, that's my cue. My heart is scrambling. I need to go pray and get my heart right. Right. But I, I'm like, man, I don't want to get on my knees. I don't want to, you know, get in my, my heart's just wanting to just jump into a lazy spiral, you know, but I, I, I don't believe it's good. I think it's good for me, you know, but again, going back to the metaphor, what we choose to do is eat garbage. It's like fast food, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to eat this ash real quick. I know there's like really, really tasty steak over there, but I'm just going to eat these ashes for a little bit. It's, it's easier. easier. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually how it goes. It's easier. It's more comfortable. It's more oh comfortable. Gosh, I don't have to do, I don't have to put much effort into it. <laughs> That's a lot of what learns, learning to be like to follow Jesus is like learning to eat ashes less, you know, like I just don't want to do that anymore. But All right. I have a verse so, for that. If, did you, what was that? Uh, uh, actually, actually, you're uh, asking your next question because I think I might even get to it within it. My next question: How has the gospel changed us? How has the gospel changed you as a person? You know, as a husband. I think the biggest way the gospel um, has changed me is it's caused me to become more humble um, and to have. <laughs> A lot more patience. That's something that I have mm, worked with. Yes. I've, I've and it's constantly something I am working with. But a lot more patience. I'm. I, I the first reaction is just to be get angry, and to lash out. Um, mm -hmm. 
and at the same time pride too. Um, that's a little bit in my testimony is, you know, I just, I wanted to be liked by every, I, I just wanted to be a likable person. I wanted people to like me. And so, uh, I sacrificed a lot of my beliefs to be liked when I got into middle school, into high school, from a high school, you know, from a high school level. And, um, when I started to get liked and, especially like in, in youth group, when I started to become a part of like the, <laughs> the cool click, <laughs> like there's clicks in like youth groups regardless. And like, when you're like, oh man, like I'm a part of like the, the cool people group or whatnot. I don't know. That's weird to say, but um, like, that's, that's what I strive for. I strive to be liked. I strive to, you know, uh, I just, just, I, I didn't want to make people angry or upset or anything like that. I'm a people person at heart. Um, but there's a deep pride issue down, you know, with that because I, yeah, I'm still waiting for the testimony where somebody says, I've, I just wanted to be hated. <laughs> you know? I just wanted to be hated. That's all I was. Hated. Nobody would hate me. <laughs> no, that's never the testimony. Anyways, you're saying ever? No. I joined Christianity as a dare. You know. <laughs> I was too liked. I just wanted to be hated. So. <laughs> I'm done with it. I'm done with it. Um, no, the pride. I mean, I I had a deep pride issue. Because I looked upon myself for a lot, um, a lot, and I needed to be humbled. And ultimately, Jesus did, you know, has done that, has humbled me to realize that I am nothing at all, absolutely nothing. And to look back and see all that he is giving me and the grace he has bestowed on me and his blessings is, ins is insane to me. It really is to look back and, and to see all that God has blessed me with compared to what I see other people, you know, have. And that's not to say that God doesn't bless them because he does as well. But like, I, I, I live a blessed life. I really do. And that's not nothing on my doing. The temptation is like, oh, I did all of this. You know, this is, this is what I've done. This is what I've built. This is... I I created <laughs> not to that, but I'm talking about like, yeah, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, like other things, but yeah, but anyways, realizing like he has blessed me abundantly and, and who am I to say that I've done it, you know, when it's all only through him mm -hmm. and to know, like my biggest growing moments spiritually have been through one of my hardest moments, you know, lowest points in life. Or the biggest times that I grew spiritually and realized like that's only through him. That's that's it. So like humbling constantly, patience constantly, especially in marriage, especially in uh, being a father. Um, oh yeah, that's that's my main prayer is like constantly praying for patience. You know, a father of three, as husband, you know, three. Two ring bunches kids and a third one on the way. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't know about my sister wives? Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a different gospel for you. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, yeah. my gosh. But, no, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, um, Drew, to where, you know, I'm constantly praying for patience because of 
how I was raised. It's our parents did the best they could, right? And I'm not trying to bash anybody's parents. I'm not trying to bash my parents. I love my parents. They're they're great, you know. Um, But looking back as an adult and now as a father, you know, with my own kids, there are some times where it's like you can't punish kids for being kids, you know? Like sometimes children need to move, right? They're not going to be still and be silent 24-7. Like it's just literally impossible. Um, They're experiencing all these new things and they have all these thoughts and they just got to move because their body's growing. They're literally restless. And just thinking back to my initial reaction to some things due to my impatience, let me take a moment, like, let me breathe. It's all right. It's not the end of the world because they spilled something like on the carpet. Right. Yeah. You know, like, let's, you know, just take a beat. It's all right. Like, we'll clean it up. This is a te- This can be a teaching opportunity and learning to clean up a mess or something like that, you know. And that's definitely something where the gospel has changed me. Like, I'm learning to be a more patient man. I'm learning to be a more understanding man you know, when it comes to other people as well and, and, and the things that they deal with and knowing that, knowing that, and I guess it goes goes back to knowing that my parents did the best that they could given the situation and I didn't, I don't feel slighted at all, you know. I, there was at one point, because I'm a middle child, and so I felt slighted, you know, like for some reason. I don't know why. There's really no reason, why, but... What do you mean? That was something. Well, because, so, like, I have I have two older sisters, then there's me, and then I have a younger sister and a younger brother. And okay. for some reason, like, growing up, I, like, had, like, that middle child syndrome or whatever. Like, I, I felt like I never got enough attention um, to where, like, I remember vividly. There's, here's a story to where I was off at Wright State. This is, like, 2014, um, and I was home visiting my parents on some sort of break or whatever home for the weekend doing something and my dad had just brought my young my younger brother the youngest of the family a new pair of shoes and like i remember literally break having a mental breakdown bawling crying to my dad like over a pair of shoes it's like i'm wearing the same busted shoes because i'm a dumb college kid you know out there Mm. struggling for quite frankly no reason because i thought i was independent like i went away Join the National Guard. Like, I did the whole military thing. I was away from home for, like, 14, 15 months with all the training I did. So I thought I had money in my pocket. Like, money, money. Like, I thought I was good. I thought I was independent. Yeah. So I was stupid. Got an off-campus apartment that I couldn't afford. <laughs> and it was like, it was struggling. Oh, yeah. I remember you know? talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, and it was just, I'm home and having this breakdown in front of my dad. And it just bawling and i had to let that go you know like that's that's something like as an adult i had to let that go like i wasn't slighted like and that kind of goes back to almost like you know like you have not because you asked not right like i could have at any moment (laughs) called my parents and said hey like i need a new pair of shoes can you you know can you buy me a pair of shoes or whatever but i had to like let that i'm sorry i'm kind of interrupting but like what did so how did that conversation go like what what did you say to your dad do you remember not not explicitly, but it was along the line. I remember crying and like breaking down and and just thinking that like 
I never got anything, and I had to mm. do everything myself. Like nobody ever gave me anything. I had to. I had what to did do everything. Say? What? I don't. He's. I don't know. He said like a typical dad thing, and he was mm. just like, "What are you like? Why you know? Why are you crying?" In my mind, I'm you like, know? my son, my grown son is crying about a pair of shoes. This is not about the shoes. <laughs> yeah, because it wasn't. It wasn't about the shoes <laughs> yeah. at all. You know, and it's because and really, a few months later. He he and he would always give me money. He knew I was poor, and I, I had this huge, <laughs> huge facade. I was living in an off-campus apartment, couldn't Mother afford man. it, and he would always like give me, you know, give me money. And I, this is where it's like yeah. I had to let that go. Like they gave me when I needed it, you know. Mm. Like if I needed money, he he would give me money because he knew I was broke, you know. Um, and so, like, a, a few months later, he, like, had a conversation with me out in the garage. And at this point, I had flunked out of school because I was on, acad- I was on academic probation. This is David being real. I was on academic probation because I didn't go to class. And I wasn't going to mm. class because I was struggling in English class and I hated it. And also, I was poor and I couldn't afford my apartment, so I had to get a job. <laughs> and then I was also uh, partying and being mm-hmm. a dumb college kid, like, you know, like, whatever. Um, there's no time to study. I'm partying. And I'm working. I got to pay for this out. apartment this is bef- to live this college life. Right. This is before I rededicated my life. <laughs> I was doing a lot of dumb stuff. But, you know, he eventually was like, hey, David, you can you can move back home. <laughs> like, you know, like, and that's where, you know, it wasn't that conversation that I remember. It was like the next conversation that I remember having with him where it's like, Hey, like, Hey son, it's okay. <laughs> You're yeah. going to be okay. You can come back home. Yeah. You know, let me stay in the basement. And I, there's, it had a separate entrance to the basement. So he's like, it's okay. You can kind of come and go as you please, whatever. Just be respectful. Like, don't be coming home in the middle of the night middle of the night like all times of the night but for the most part i was left to my own devices you know he allowed me to to move back home but how this that was a random off the humbling moment yes humbling it was a humbling experience yeah and i had to let that go you know because i wasn't slighted by any means and that's something that i've been learning as i you know have furthering my walk with Christ and and rededication of my life and studying the scripture, like letting go of stuff that had no bearing on my life whatsoever. And, you know, wasn't true. And to where it's like, it's okay. What I went through was okay. Again, it wasn't extreme by any means, but it was okay to experience that. And I'm here now and I'm a better man for that. And I know how to, take moments to kind of rest like you said um with that scripture i found it by the way it was it was lost. it's matthew 11 11 30 for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. that's that's what you're talking about andy but um yeah. taking the time to really rest and recollect myself so that i can be the the husband and father that i need to be you know for my family and which then transfers into ministry a lot of uh mm-hmm. a lot of healthy habits that i needed to set and i'm, I'm still doing that you know they yeah. keep me in track to keep me accountable oh yes yeah. you know making sure that i'm finding time to rest 
spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and not running on empty because I'm a go, go, go mm-hmm. kind of guy. You know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go. I'm going to do it. And that could be very dangerous for me because I put a lot of things on the back burner and I sacrifice a lot of good things for non-good things, if that makes sense. I sacrifice what truly matters for what my heart thinks that matters. And that's sometimes not aligned with God. It's not aligned with, you know, the gospel, not aligned with what I need to do. And I, I constantly have to pull myself back and say, okay, nope, I need to intentionally set time to rest to read because if not then i'll just do things that will cut i'll just do things and and that will um, get me off track that will cause me to uh, lose focus and ultimately cause me to not be the leader of the home that i need to be and the husband and the father that i need to be because in that that yeah the selfishness comes out and I, I don't want that so yeah it kind of goes back to like what they when you were talking about that i was like man that's crazy you have that test because that's a big part of so like that's probably that's one of the points at which the gospel interacted with me was through my parents and the patience that they had shown me because i always tell people man there's multiple points they should have kicked me out of that house you know what i'm saying should kick me out of that daggone house but they did not and I remember being in Toledo and just asking myself that question. I was like, man, why didn't they? And then just thinking like that. So basically the whole point is they preached the patience of God to me through their actions. And when, even when you're talking about like your your kids, like and being patient with them, I'm like, man, what's the, the reason? The reason for that is the patience you've been shown in God, mm-hmm. you know, and in mm-hmm. that moment. Because I'm thinking about that moment with your dad. It's just crazy that like it's okay. You know, lay that you can lay. You're allowed to lay the craziness. I know this is a massive failure. It's okay. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yep. gosh, that's just it's such a good feeling. You know what I mean? Just being seen and loved. Because that, what did he see? He see failure and, and loved you anyway. You know, and that's like that's part. That's a big part of my story too. And that's just that's been a big onus for a lot of the. I think a lot of the fruit, and the small amounts of fruit I've seen in my life of, of patience, and you know what I mean. Yeah, it's cool. Anything else? As we're kind of wrapping up, are we up over? Because I haven't really answered that question. But if we're, because we're kind of, we're kind of. What do you got? Well, just the how the gospels changed me. Yeah. That, uh, no. Yeah. Absolutely. I've kind of already or talked take your, about it. But take a shot. Yeah, it's just. Uh, so I kind of already talked about it. the first time. It was just the the part of the gospel that says Jesus is in charge. That was like, the first thing that connected with me. And then, um, man, I had, what was the next thing? I don't remember because now I'm thinking so much about my parents. <laughs> and, like, because that was a big a big piece was just the patience that God had showed me through them. Oh, man, it was, it was high school. It was, it was a lot of what Drew was talking about. That's why I made that joke. I was like, man, nobody wants to be hated. I was like, man, I really wanted to be hated in school, but nobody hated me. I how much I, you know. No, it's – but that was – I want – I. So I remember being like feeling like I had like friends in elementary school and then feeling like that I had kind of fizzled in middle school and then in high school feeling pretty much the same. I'd noticed something about myself in ninth grade, though. I was like, if I act a fool, people think this is funny and I like it when people think I'm funny. So I am now the fool. 
and I will act crazy. You know what I mean? So that was just kind of what I did for a while because it got people to – that was this kind of false identity I've learned throughout my life that it just really exhausts my energy. You know what I mean? Like trying to be high energy for people. I can be, but good night. I'm not going to do it just to entertain you. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was, that's exhausting. But the biggest piece, man, the first piece is when I came to Lindenwald and realized that I didn't have to press into kind of the crowd, right? Because yeah. that was my experience of being like, I was, I was sit with like the popular kids, but like I would be the one like, yeah, 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 I remember it. You know, you're trying to get like a word in and nobody's like listening or cares because they don't care what you have to say. And you're then telling I remember, jokes, and then somebody more popular than you tells the same joke, and they're like, "Ha ha, dude, you're so it's funny!" Super funny. <laughs> <laughs> and they look at you, and you just kind of give you a look. And you're like, oh, I just said that, this, dude. Who's this, this sucks. <laughs> this is a crappy experience. But um, <laughs> that was, yeah, when I came to, I think the first thing that started to connect with me is like, man, these are people I've never really thought of as like cool in the terms of like the way school works, but frick school you know, like, and it was like it gave me permission to break the cycle of like trying to impress people and i was like i'm allowed to just be friends with anybody i don't have to pick and choose based on how far ahead they might get me in, in a status game you know what i mean and once i could be friends with anybody i made probably the best friends i've ever made in my life that i still have to this day you know, so that was the biggest part of the gospel that I realized much later that broke through was God comes for the least of these. And I mm. fell in love with that. And God makes no exceptions, right? There's no respect of persons with God. And that was that was like my war cry. You know what I mean? Which was what it's funny because like I talked earlier about like going want to go to Detroit, want to go to the dirt. I took that way too far. You know what I mean? It was like, we're going to get as low as we can. This is where God is found. <laughs> I became a psycho, but I was an extremist. But yeah, so that was like this the next thing. And, and much later, it was just that I keep talking about ashes because that's like, that was such a big part of what God has done for me. That was finally like the, so like you hear so, so often, like Jesus sets you free from sin. But my experience all throughout my life in church was I was addicted to like looking at stuff I shouldn't have been. And then, so like, I was like, ah, yeah, Jesus frees me from sin, but that's not my experience. Right. Mm. So for the longest time, it was like a fact I believed, not a, a truth I lived out of. And then finally, man, finally, by the grace of God, I came across this text. Um, I'll say, I'll just say when it was when I was in India and um, it was, so it, it's weird because it talks about the Antichrist, right? Nobody's like, oh, a text about the Antichrist changed my worldview, but this did. So don't give up on texts just because they're talking about stuff that you don't understand. But um, so it's talking about the coming of the lawless one, the Antichrist. And it says, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing by the way, this is first Thess second Thessalonians two uh, nine. Now we're into ten. Because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So being saved is loving the truth. Not just like, oh, I know the truth is true, it's I love it also. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. 
So this and this goes back to the ashes sin because I'm looking. I'm like God sends them a strong delusion. So there's this delusion that unsaved people are operating out of where they eat what they think is good, and they're like, this, this is good. This is life, right? And I realized that I had been redeemed and was still trying to eat the same food, and you can't, right? I'm not getting filled by this. I'm still trying to eat the ash, but praise God, he is, I've not been given a delusion. My eyes have been opened. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I've been for all this time, my eyes have been open and looking at the ashes. I've been eating it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh my gosh. But it, and it's so funny because we can say this a thousand times, but it was the grace of God working through the Spirit in this text that opened my eyes to like, I can pursue joy by fighting my sin, right? Because I'd always subconsciously believe that there's something I might be missing out on if I give up on my sin. And once that lie had been just crushed with this hammer of no, pursuing obedience is like fight is fighting for your joy at the end of the day, that gave me the freedom I needed to say, okay, I I can say no to this. And I have by the grace of God since then. It's like it's it's the best thing ever. You know what I mean? Like it's so up until then, all that to say, like, man, the, where that gospel intersected with me was my experience had always been. Freedom from sin is words, not experience. And then, man, when, when God broke in and said, no, fighting that sin is your fight for your joy, that was what clicked with me through this text. And it was like the word had set me free, you know. So and it's, isn't that crazy how that happens? It's like you live your whole, you're saved. I've been saved for years, mm-hmm. you know. But then this, this text intersected and it's just like, How's that? Was that the word is living and active, sharper than the two-edged sword, and piercing? Just opened your eyes like, up mm, to something completely it's what new. What it did. It's what it did. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's Life why changing. I love it, and I just was like, you want to spend time in it because you want more, mm. you know. But that's where that joy comes in. Yeah. You kind of brought up. Yeah, you kind of brought up one of like the biggest misconceptions about Christianity. I feel is that with salvation, it doesn't. It doesn't, like, yes, we're born again, and we're supposed to be, you know, the Bible says we're regenerated beings, but there's still the temptation of the flesh, and just because you're saved doesn't mean you'll never be tempted to sin, and it doesn't mean you're never going to sin again. There's only one person who walked this earth and lived a perfect, sinless life, and that was Jesus, and he died for us, so we, we had this opportunity, you know, to to not be sinless like him, but that we can learn to be obedient and strive to sin less. You see what I did mm. there? I like that. Um, <laughs> no, like, but really, it's because it, I, I, I struggle with some of the same things with looking at the wrong stuff, right? Mm. Like it, it gets ingrained to you as a, in this hypersexualized society as a young, especially as a young male, you know, that this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to like. Yeah, I was somewhere between this seven is... and nine years old when I first started doing that stuff. You know what I mean? They market it at that like, young of an age. Happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As Christians, as, you know, followers of Christ want to strive to be better, but that doesn't mean you won't still be tempted. Jesus himself was yep. tempted. So, and temptation mm-hmm. doesn't equal sin. It can lead to sin if you give into it, um, but that is a fight that we will have until the day that Jesus returns, until we die, or and ultimately in the day that Jesus returns and we are able to 
live in that renewed kingdom. Yeah, and it's constantly changing us. Yeah. I think that's another misconception too. Mm -hmm. And we obviously debunked it, but the gospel is only for the unsaved. No, it's yeah. for the saved. It's for all of us. Unsaved, the the saved. It's it's yep. it's for the unbeliever. It's for the believer. It constantly is changing us. It's constantly uh, revising us. It's constantly making us better. Um, and it's a constant need. The word of the need. day is sanctification. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. That's the, that's the word because it's like usually the gospel of the word is justification or salvation. You know what I mean? But that's a lot of what we've been talking about. Sanctification. Is the, the outworkings from that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is. We kind of... Well, I mean, if you really, in, in preparing for this, um, a lot of what I was seeing really kind of focused on, you know, the gospel is Jesus. And he came, he died, he rose, and now we have salvation, and it, which is a, a very, very important part of it. I don't want to discount that at all, but I really liked the direction we took in kind of talking more of the outcome and how the gospel has affected us and how we're changed because of it and mm. what what leads to and what we've been talking about is the sanctification of it you know while we didn't get into the weeds of it we we talked about it enough that i think that you know like you said people talk about salvation and justification um but what about the sanctification process you know what about that process afterwards who's the gospel for you know it's it's for everyone it, you know and it it is still for the believer because we do need it daily. We need to be reminded of this story. The mm. we need to be reminded of the fact that God loves us. He ha and he wants to have a relationship with us, even after the fall. He had a plan so that we would be together and have that relationship with him. And it doesn't matter what your sin is; he still loves you, and he wants you. Mm. Once you accept that, you, then at least to sanctification. Now, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, you have to die for him, right? You have to die to yourself. And, and then you, that's that sanctification mm -hmm. process. It's good stuff, man. Good right, stuff. Man, that's... Any final thoughts? You guys want any final thoughts? <laughs> Two minute warning. <laughs> Two minute warning. Final, final thoughts? Um... I don't know. I would just say, like, you know, this is it's just constantly, so, you know, this is this is a constant work. It's something that I, you know, strive after and 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 don't typically <laughs> do it often. But like holiness, uh, sanctification, you know, this is something that you know constantly working at. To what Andy's talking about, the little fruits that have been produced. Like I would say that, like this is this is the beginning. It's just, it's just trying to become a, a better man for him, and and through that, being a better husband, a better leader, a better you know follower, you know, follower of him. But that's only, that's that's what I would say. It's just it's a constant battle. It's it's picking up the cross daily. It, it it'll never, yeah. it'll never. It, once it stays stagnant or ever gets stagnant, uh, th somebody told me this. Um, I forget who it was, but if you the reason they call it the dead sea is because there's no moving water 
and it never is moving. It, it, it it's just water is being flown there, and it just stays there. It's just stagnant, and if you have stagnant water, then nothing can live in it. Uh, it flies will you know create on top of it. You'll get fungus. Um, it, it'll never become pure, and so con it, it's a constant battle. You can never stay stagnant. Um, you always have to be pushing yourself. And that's why, for me, accountability is huge because I can't do it on my own. I have to be surrounded by the community of other believers around church who are going through the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, David, when you when you were talking, like, uh, at the end there, right before you asked the, the final thoughts, I was thinking, because you talked about the story. We need the, sto the story of Jesus. And that's usually what I think, like what I have in my mind when somebody's sharing their stories, like, man, what is the part of God's story that they need mm. to hear that is connecting with where they're at? Cause I mean, I look back at mine and it's like, I mean, I know I knew so little at so many points throughout my walk and, and the parts of the gospel that I needed the most were definitely not a whole picture of it. You know what I mean? Which is why I think it's so important to to know the whole thing, the depth of your sin, the extent to which God has saved us and all the extent to which we are redeemed and what he has purchased for us in eternity. Like it's important to know the whole thing, you know what I mean? And that can't mm -hmm. be, it can be summarized in like Jesus died for your this phrase, Jesus died for your sins. And you need to believe that. But I think if it's said, what's a good word for it? Just kind of just said, We'll leave it there, put a period on it, just said, then it probably hasn't been felt very much. You know what I mean? If you're just if that's your your pitch, for lack of a better like word, just like, hey, Jesus died for your sins. You need to believe that. Man, there's oh I I pray that the day comes I can I can look at somebody with tears and tell them, Man, if you do not believe like you are like all that weights is wrath. You know what I mean? Because I yeah. feel like in conversation, I don't feel the weight of that in the way that I need to. You know what I mean? Like I, I hate that about myself that I, I don't like feel the full weight of our sin because that's usually we don't believe we really deserve eternal punishment, right? That guy's pretty good. He doesn't deserve eternal punishment. I must not understand sin like God does. You know, yeah. his thoughts are higher than my thoughts and I have to, I know that man, there there is an element of, of my sin that deserves eternal punishment and because i don't really get that i know now ah, there's something in my heart that doesn't understand sin mm -hmm. you know there's always yeah. more which is kind of what drew is saying too whenever whenever i because it was talking about the weight of sin and drew i think i've told you this story before one of my bible stories that i default to is um it's in acts uh it's right after uh pentecost where Peter is is there with Ananias and Sapphira, right? They hid the they, money. Yeah, they, they, you know, so they spread the gospel. Funny. Great commission, right? It's not funny. It's funny, yeah. but it's not funny. Like, it's, <laughs> I think Crazy. it's kind of funny. It's, yeah. But it, it is. Because when I think the wages of sin is death, I think of this story. Because mm. all they did was lie. And they dropped dead. For those who don't know, um, essentially, the after after they're given the good news, after they're preached to by Peter, right, given the gospel, um, there's this massive convergence. Uh, conver convergence? Convergence, yeah. yeah. That's, that I don't makes know. sense, though, because it's true. Lots of people sure. convert. 
Yeah. Yes, conversion. That's the word I was looking for. This is massive conversion. I that what you said. Is that now? I don't Convergence. know. Convergence. Um, you said it. Anyways. Whatever. I'm going to edit it out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, there's this massive, massive <laughs> conversion, and everyone is essentially selling all their belongings, you know, selling their land to help take care of each other, take care of the needy, make sure everybody has enough to just have enough, basically, to get by. And Nias thinks it's a good idea to sell his land and then not give it all of it. He just gives a ha like half of it or whatever. He gives a portion of it. Um, and Peter tells him that like you didn't like basically. I mean, I'm paraphrasing massively. Uh, you know, basically he tells him that when you own the land, it was yours. You didn't have to sell it. And when you did sell it, did you not have the full amount? You know, he's like, you didn't lie to man. You didn't lie to me, Peter. You lied to the Holy Spirit, you know, and then he dropped dead. So basically, you didn't try and trick me like I'm just a person, right? You tried to trick the Holy Spirit. You lied to the Holy Spirit. You lied to God. And he dropped dead because of it. And his wife follows suit. Like, hey, did you do this? Yep. All right. Like, you know, you're you're uh, an accomplice. And she drops dead hours later, just right. The people who buried her husband just got back in time to pick her up and then go bury her. Like, it's wild. And so when I think of the wages of sin is death, that's the story in my head towards, like, even when I'm, like, I know I'm a sinner. <clears throat> I know I'm a sinner. And I know what I'm doing separates myself from God. And I have to do better because I could drop dead at any day if the Lord saw fit. Um, because again, this is after, this is after Jesus dies on the cross. This is the covenant of grace. I can drop dead at any moment because of my sin and it would be justified, you know? So that's one of the reasons like, I try and strive to, to do better. And then when it comes to, like you said, evangelism, making sure I feel the weight of that, like, Hey, like you've got to understand, yes, this is good news, but there's bad news. If you don't accept it, you will spend eternity separated and it, that's going to suck it's going to hurt it's gonna be terrible and it's almost non-describable you know how bad it's gonna be it's good kind of ended on a sour note with that but with good news there has to be bad news and i think that doesn't eh, maybe it does get talked about enough but not as much not with the weight like you know andy i love what you said not with the weight that it really yeah. needs because you've got the people you know those fire and brimstone you know stereotypical preachers you're gonna go to hell you know or you've got the <sighs> stereotypical outside you know picket fence of lbq parades yeah. you're gonna not, go to hell you, not to hate you know, on those people because they really are not to hate you're not not to hate on them but like they're you know what i mean like that's it's not, not it can be <laughs> that's not the gospel you know like that's not mm -hmm. doing it properly because there's a certain there's a weight but, to it and that's not giving it the yeah. full brevity and weight that it really deserves i feel you because it's it's not just the words you say it's the that's attitude true. you have when you say that's it. true yeah, but so. the spirit also yeah. can because work through because, those words too god could still use you regardless of what you say and, and we talked about that when absolutely. when uh what was it philip uh what was it philip and uh john 
it was John 1, or John 2, I forget. Oh. And Philip got yeah. saved. He heard the gospel, and he went to Nathaniel, and he completely, completely jacked, jacked the gospel up. <laughs> and um, in a way where Nathaniel was confused, he's like, what? But it still drawed him unto God. It still drawed him unto Jesus. And through, through yeah. that, he was able to get saved. So I get it. Yeah, d- definitely can deter some people away, but at the same time, can't discredit it the holy spirit can still work through that regardless of what you say I've, there's so many times i've jacked yeah. things up i'm like you know what i wish i have said this you know i wish i've done that and the spirit still works through it it's not and, and, and uh, yeah so I, you can't discredit it at the same time it does you know it is there to say okay well i can do better too you know like i could do better the first yeah. this is a side note the first sermon i ever preached my old youth pastor, Joel Real, invited me back to Community Christian to do it, and its title was You're an Idiot. That's classic. <laughs> You're an idiot. It had, I explained is, it away. It wasn't as bad as it sounds, but it was at the same time. So. What does the gospel mean to Andy Rivera? You're an idiot. <laughs> and that's, 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 that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's a great way to wrap it up. I, at first, I'd been learning about hell. I was very serious about, like, pastors need to talk about hell more. It was like, you don't understand. We never, I, we never talk about this. You know? Like, it, was very, it, was, it was like that. Yeah. Praise God for right. grace. Praise God for grace. Alright, guys. It was a absolute pleasure. Um, thank you for coming out. Thank you for talking about it. Um, We'll have to do this again sometimes. Sure. All right. Thanks for having us.